Hello and welcome back to Fitness or Fiction. Today's episode, we are going to discuss how much breakdown is appropriate. And we're talking specifically how much technical breakdown is appropriate in exercise, if any. Uh, with me, as usual, is my strapping assistant. I don't know that he's the assistant at all, but... The Hulkamaniac well, flex? Yes. Yeah, that's it. And then he exactly. starts shaking the keg. <laughs> Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. How much technical breakdown... No technical breakdown. Neutral spine and everything, perfect quality, perfect form. Don't ever keep your shoulders back, chest up, oh. tummy tight, squeeze your glutes. <laughs> Be perfect. No breakdown. Otherwise, you'll get hurt, Curtis. Life is not perfect, man. But, yeah, I always fall down in a perfect neutral spine when I slip on the ice. Well, it's like I'm not even worried robot. about falling down. <laughs> Who puts on their shoes in a neutral spine? I'm not flexible enough yet. Yeah. No, no, most people are not. It's crazy. So technical breakdown, what are we talking about? There's a few different realms that we can get into here. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about technical breakdown or just in general failing in a workout, it's super important that we actually push ourselves to that point, especially if our goals are body composition. In the strength training world, it's a little bit different whereas True. we don't want to be pushing ourselves there all the time because then it's going to impact your your following workouts and whatever and so we're not going to get into that too much but i always think these topics are like one dimensional and then you crack it into four other dimensions and i'm like damn it <laughs> yeah. but but if especially in the body comp realm body composition training uh, we need to experience failure and it is a frustration of mine when you have the form nazis out there that don't allow any breakdown whatsoever, like a good example would be the hamstring curl, prone hamstring curl, laying on your tummy, doing a hamstring curl. Like, oh, you can't arch your back at all. I'm like, okay, well, that's that lumbar is holding the pelvis steady so that the hamstrings, which also attach to the pelvis, can pull that leg up. So if you don't allow it to arch at all, you're going to severely limit the amount of tension you can put through that tissue, mm -hmm. meaning limiting your result. And this is true in a variety of, of realms. I'm just going to say that one for example. Yeah. So when people try to be too perfect in the gym, it's like, oh, a slow concentric, meaning the way up slow as well. What they're doing is taking away the amount of tension that they can achieve, meaning they're limiting their results based on their anality. And they think it makes them a better trainer. And for me, that is not true. What makes you a better trainer is your ability to get your clients where they want to go. So technical breakdown is something that we need to see in and I'd love to hear anybody talk, talk about this one with me. This is not a battle. It's something I'd love to discuss more. But when I see somebody that has totally perfect, flawless technique from the start to the finish of the set, um, I actually don't think that they're working hard enough. If you have no breakdown and you're not pushing yourself to uncomfortable so that you fail um, either on tempo or technique, then I would question whether you're, you're actually putting in the right intensity for your goal. Yeah, when I brought this up to you, I was more specifically thinking about breakdown in regards to technique and yeah. wasn't thinking about breakdown in regards to like tempo and things like that, which is where we also kind of fell into a category of effective cheating. 
Yeah, so there's three different realms that we can talk about this. You could come up with more, but three main ones that we discussed. Yeah, that we'll chat about. Yeah, so the first one that you had mentioned was... Technical breakdown. Technical breakdown, meaning I'm, I'm doing a deadlift, and all of a sudden my posture isn't exactly the same. Posture breaks. So, tempo yeah. would be... I can't hold the same tempo, even though I'm still moving the weight properly. So I, I just can't hold that same tempo. Speed changes that That's are right. out of your control. Yep. And then the third one... Effective cheating. Effective cheating. So like I'm doing a strict press standing, and I'm pushing the bar up and shoulder press. I, I can't do that shoulder press anymore so i just take a little dip with my knees to get that last rep or yeah. or i'm just dipping with my knees on the bicep curl yeah. as opposed to technical breakdown would be that big lean back putting everything on the lumbar to finish at any cost right yeah or rounding so, the back when you're pulling your deadlift totally or yeah stripper squatting so we're not going to get into the effect of cheating and the breaking down of, of tempo today so much. What we're going to discuss today is more the concept of I've established some very specific metrics for what this exercise should look like. When it starts changing, how much change is too much? Mm -hmm. And it's tricky because it's tricky to actually hone that down to a, a specific what's ideal or what's perfect. But I was talking to you about in regards to a deadlift, if somebody is doing say 10 reps for instance i really wouldn't want to see technical breakdown until maybe rep eight nine or ten and then that technical breakdown what i think is acceptable or appropriate is between 10 to 15 percent any more than that i tell people when they start experiencing technical breakdown either too frequently or um too soon it's kind of like stealing. If you go to the grocery store and like, or your convenience store and you're stealing five cent candies, like it might not catch you today, but if you do it all the time consistently and allow it to continue to get worse, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Well, and you'll get more brave. And you also said <laughs> something offline talking about that. At what point are you just starting to train the dysfunction? Yeah. Or well, that technical, like that, that shitty position. I think those two things go together. You start, you start stealing. Most thieves get caught when they get too brave because yeah. your brain craves things that you give it, Yeah. right? So most people that do that, it's like, well, one thing here and there, nobody notices. All of a sudden it becomes two, then four, then six, then eight, then 10. All of a sudden it's noticeable. Um, this is the same thing with technical breakdown. It's like, well, at some point you're actually training dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And the important thing to note is when that is. Yeah, because if you can teach somebody to fight through a rep under appropriate metrics, that's good. Mm -hmm. But when they totally change their strategy to lift that weight, that all of a sudden becomes the more reps you do of that, the more it's going to fight with the other pattern that we would call closer to ideal or within a scope of acceptability is what I like to say. Yeah, because there isn't like when people say, oh, perfect form, it's like ugh. there's a big a big space that you could say is pretty darn perfect. And, and I like to say that it's more of a scope of acceptability because, you know, how are you going to say this is exactly neutral for your spine? Are you going to go in there and measure it? Like, no, you're going to try to find something where their hips and their ribs are relatively neutral. Yeah. But how much arch is too much? Well, you're, that's something that you're going to have to work through on each person, right? There was a really good picture I found online. Um, I probably have it tucked away somewhere, but they talked about neutral spine and it had it in like a, a flexion state and an extension state. And then it had like levels of acceptability, like that's you right. said, where it had like green lines, meaning like, you know, you're probably pretty safe here. And then those lines kind of started to turn yellow and then they started to turn red, being like the more you start playing in the red zones, like 
you're getting less and less ideal the more like extension and more flexion you're going so like you're trying to stay in the green or yellow ranges as you're moving that weight totally the the concept of that for me is a bit flawed too and i, I don't want to be i don't want to make this too complex but if you watch some of the best powerlifters in the world, they are far from what you would consider a neutral spine. Yeah. But the thing that you notice with them, which Stuart McGill, one of the best back researchers in the world, um, came out and was like, yeah, when you see strongmen doing Atlas stones or you see a world-class powerlifter with, a, with flexion in their upper back or uh, slight flexion in their lumbar, which you do see as well, how are they still safe? And what he says is what's more important than the actual position is making sure it doesn't change. Yeah, yeah. So for me, when we look at the scope of acceptability, it's how much change. And you identified around 10 or 15%. So if we talk about in the deadlift, when their technique starts being about 15% outside of that, the position of their spine is now 15% outside of that, and the primary mover is no longer their hips. It's now them taking their back from flexed to standing upright. It's like, well, let's, let's stop it there. We're not training what we want anymore. Yeah. So for me, how much breakdown is too much? The best way to say that is we're outside of our zone of acceptability. And one of the ways we can tell is that because we're no longer targeting the tissue that we want to work. Would you feel comfortable putting a percentage on what would be acceptable-ish for people? When like I said, my that's my personal acceptability range is like i think about 10 to 15 percent and that's a complex ambiguous statement in its own regarding totally what lift is being done but you know it You're at least kind of gives a deadlift. rough guideline i'm we could talk about the deadlift like with the deadlift 10 to 15 percent i think is actually pretty good yeah like for if, breakdown. If, if you get down to the last rep and you start seeing that well okay fine i don't want to see a lot of that i'd like to see them do less over time as they get more skilled but if you talk to me about like a a bicep curl what's appropriate as far as technical breakdown there you give more it's like well you could probably get away with more like yeah. you're not holding your elbow in the same place anymore oh, okay so you're using more flexors of the shoulder yeah okay like whereas like the deadlift is going to be something where if you get too far out of that zone of acceptability you're going to get tension and challenge in tissues that you probably don't want that in yeah so it is very specific i guess on acceptable ranges of breakdown based off of what exactly we're doing 100 percent um but yeah for me this conversation was initiated by thinking about the deadlift specifically but mm -hmm. you know for overhead squat would be another one like how much range of acceptability would i allow an overhead squat probably not more than like same that range maybe like 10 percent well yeah see, i would the... want that to be tighter than a deadlift. I would let somebody get away with a little bit more shit on a deadlift than a snatch or an overhead squat. Yeah. See, for me, those ones take care of themselves in some ways. Like in an overhead squat, you start getting outside of a couple percent and that bar is not going to stay. Yeah. So it'll kind of do the job for you. Yeah. But again, the goal here is to try to pattern in what you would like. You want them to replicate the good stuff way more often than you want to see the breakdown. And so tempo breakdown now would be even more acceptable in things like when you're in machines because the yeah. level of safety is much more heightened now and there's less stabilization on your part going on. So you can actually break down way, way more and break your, break your tempo and break your speed and push hard and like go into more primal states in your brain, like shutting your brain down and just pushing. That's why machines tend to be better for body comp. Yeah. Like a good example. But is functional training. Listen, if you take the squat, the back squat, people are super hyper about it. And listen, 
I'm an Olympic lifter. I love the squat. That's that's something, but I know that it's not everything for every goal. If you took the back squat and you took the hack squat, which is a machine where you have load and you have more stability, exercises for hypertrophy tend to have a few things in common. And one of them is that it challenges the muscle through a large range of motion. Um, it's very available for progressive overload, meaning you can add intensity really well. And the third thing is high stability. So if you go and you push yourself to failure on a back squat, how many times is it your legs and your quads are so pumped out that you can't keep going? Yeah. It's almost always the core that gives out. Yeah. Unless you're really high level. So Not if me. I took you and put you on a hack squat and said, go until you're done and loaded up a lot of weight, A, you can do more weight. B, it's still a huge range of motion for the muscle, but that added stability means that the core is not going to fatigue first because you're locked in. Turns me into a baby deer. It's now going to be legs, right? So when we start talking about, about this stuff, it's going to be very specific to what you're doing. Yeah. But I would say the more complex and the less stable things get, the less room there is for technical breakdown. So I think it's fair to say... If you're a client and you have a coach, whether me or you, or even you have a different coach, which yeah. is fine. If you have a different coach, I think it's fair to say it's a decent conversation to be had asking your coach, like, what level of breakdown do you want on this movement is probably a valuable question, assuming the client is not sending video feedback and things like that for the coach to see. Totally. But um, I was training a guy today named Manuel, and he he was getting after his bench press and he when when he got really tired he started getting squirrely and he'd be lifting his legs and all over shifting his torso and all this stuff and i was like no that's not acceptable yeah not okay keep those feet grounded keep your shoulders down i don't want to see this squirreling around yeah because now we're changing metrics that i don't want to change like your shoulder position has to change once you turn yourself to the side and all of this stuff that i can't manage where the stimulus is going once you do that I also tell people that they're like, why? Like they're like, oh, why? Why is that happening? And I'm like, well, to me, how I explain it is, the body is always trying to take the path of least resistance. And if something starts to get challenging, the body is going to look automatically for an easier way to accomplish that. And if it so happens to be a hip shift to lean into the other leg, or twisting the torso here to try to get more leverage or recruit different fibers, the body is essentially trying to figure out a way to get the task done in the most simplest way. And that's where a little bit of gym life and tenure and learning how to grind in good positions and not let your body shift out of said position to just get the task completed. It's trying to get the task completed with the quality that you're actually looking for. And then that 10 to 15% breakdown is an organic, natural breakdown that's just happening without the body just automatically taking over. Yeah, the identified tempo is going to be the first thing to go. So that's as a coach, when you're going to want to start paying attention, when the bar speed is different than what you've asked, or the the actual execution speed. And then the next thing that starts coming is that compensation. And the better we can get at avoiding those compensations under fatigue, you're going to notice that that actually correlates really highly with strength. Mm -hmm. Because in Olympic lifting, the, the longer you can hold your pattern against load, the more you're going to be able to lift. Yeah. So it ends up, ends up being a really important topic. But my big thing is that if we go too far down and say, well, we can't have any that's when you start seeing people dancing with weights. And you see people that they're doing the same weight week after week. And you're not going to get adaptation specifically because our bodies don't want it. Yeah. For eons, we've trained our bodies that food is scarce. You better store what you get because you don't know when you're going to eat again. Yeah. And now we're like, well, why doesn't our body just drop all the extra fat and gain muscle? Because it's metabolically dangerous. If you don't know when you're eating again, 
that is a dangerous investment to make. Mm -hmm. So you have to make some very specific inputs for the brain to make it think that that's a good idea. So you want to do a better job at executing to the point of fatigue that your body's like, yeah, no question. I need to change that. That was really uncomfortable. Yeah. So to do that, we're going to have to a choose really good activities for where that person's at. Cause if we're outside of their skill level, we're going to see more breakdown sometimes more than we want to. Yeah. And B, we need to select the intensities well, um, based on their skill set as well, even once we've selected the right exercise. But this is a very important thing for, for people to get that they need to work to an extent where they're, they're starting to experience fatigue. They're doing everything they can to fight against it and hold technique, but they're running out of what they're physically able to do. Because if you finish that set and everything was perfect without any changes, well, yeah. you're probably not going to get much change. It kind of goes hand in hand with the flow state again, right? You have the vertical axis of challenge and the yep. horizontal of skill. You have a perfect 45-degree line that runs through the middle. And like if you're doing a five-skill that's a five challenge like yours five skill and the challenge is five that's like acceptable but you probably want more of like a six challenge if you're a five skill you want to be challenging like a six or a seven and like actually like forcing that super compensation and adaptation so if you're a five skill though and you're training at a 10 challenge that's just either injury or stress and if you're a five skill and you're training at a one challenge then that's boredom and you're not going to see results and nothing's going to change and you're just essentially Going through the motions for nothing. You want to squeeze as much as you can out just above your skill set. And that's called the zone of proximal development. Yeah. Parents do that naturally with their kids. They talk just above their current level of skill. And that's the zone of proximal, devel- proximal development. That's why the kids continue to learn better how to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really consistent across cultures that parents naturally do that. It's well-researched. But when it comes to movement, it is very, very similar. And in fact... The way that we do that linguistically comes from our learnings on movement as kids. And we talked about that a little bit, but hopefully the point is getting across that you need to take your body right up to its current skill set and then just a little bit beyond and see how much challenge you can actually hold um, beyond where you're currently at without having undue breakdown. And, and the definition of undue is going to be different per exercise and per stimulus and whatever else, which is kind of annoying, but a really important concept to get and, and uh, a conversation worth having, I'd say. Yeah. To me, to wrap this up, I think it's, as with all things in health and fitness, I found when it's like, well, how much technical breakdown is acceptable? The correct answer is, quote, it depends, <laughs> unquote. And I think it needs to be discussed with either your training partner or your coach or somebody that you trust or respect who can give you qualitative, like informative information. But, uh, you know, there's general, we gave some general guidelines, I think on some things to think about some little good nuggets in there regarding like compound, isolated, functional, things like that. Yeah. One of the big things to understand is that this is a longer form medium in a short form medium, like reels and Instagram and stuff. It's hard to get context. Yeah. And that's when you'll hear it depends and you want to, you want to get to, it depends on what, and the people that you want to find to give you some guidance on this are people that have accomplished in the past, what you want to do, have shown other people how to do it and are educated in that direct manner. So, yeah. Well, if you made it this far, thank you for joining us and sticking around. If you have anything you want to add to this conversation, the best spot is leave a comment on YouTube or send one of us an Instagram message and we will address that, uh, either together or separately subscribe and 
We'll catch you on the next one. See you soon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.